Hey everybody, welcome to the N American F1 podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Klein, and we are yet again, I'm getting back at the podcast thing, you know, I've been, I'm sorry it's been like, you know, a couple of months where it's just been a struggle, work has been busy, we had the off season, and uh, you know, now that we're kind of getting back into the grooves of things, first of all, very, very exciting race weekend coming up. This one is very, very special to me because we have yet again another race. Perfect timing, really, to get back into this podcasting, get back into this because we have another race. Of course, we had the Miami Grand Prix earlier in the year. We have another race coming to America this week that I am so excited for. One of my favorite tracks, Circuit of the Americas, actually not just loving this track from a F1 standpoint, but even I know NASCAR fans are mixed with it, but with road racing in general, but as a person who watches NASCAR, I love watching the road races at Coda or Circuit of the Americas, and I love watching Formula One races there. Last year's race was an absolute banger of a race where we had that epic battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, and if you really think about last year's race at Circuit of the Americas, that was like in a way that it, the the stretch of races last year on the American, you know, on the North American side of things were the point in the season where you looked and you said, man, Max might really pull this off because I don't know if you remember the race too well, but I mean, that was a back to back like Red Bull stamping their mark on the season the 2021 season and you know watching that race the 2021 United States Grand Prix was just like truly epic I mean that battle between Max and Lewis and it was getting close and so we had the American Grand Prix and then you know immediately following that we had the Mexican Grand Prix which just you know Max again just cemented that win with Checo on the podium and you know, we got into those stretch races at Mexico and we're like, you know, Max might pull this off. But then if you remember, that was like, I don't know why that was like, I mean, obviously this year it's so different because the championship is not that close. But last year, that stretch of races were truly epic. I love when Formula One comes to this side of the hemisphere. You know, I love the tracks that we have here. You know, we had the Miami Grand Prix. That was an okay race. The Canadian Grand Prix is always good. That's earlier in the year. And then we get this, you know, we get the U.S. Grand Prix at Circuit of the Americas. We get the Mexican Grand Prix. We get the Brazilian Grand Prix. So it truly is a nice little stretch and usually some pretty good racing. Obviously, this year, going to be a little bit different. The circumstances are a little bit different. Not really sure what to expect from Circuit of the Americas. Uh, You know, just really, I think these tracks obviously Red Bull is miles ahead in terms of race trim and just you know Max seems to just be able to at least Max Verstappen you know just seems to be able to win with such ease I don't know if now that Max has officially won are we going to see any change-ups to this but uh I don't know you know there might be some changes that we see to this championship setting but we'll have to see we'll have to see what happens we'll have to take a look we'll have to um you know, evaluate that quite carefully just to, you know, take a look at what happens and what goes on with that. And, uh, you know, it's truly going to be an interesting stretch of the season. But, you know, 
I'm really looking forward to Circuit of the Americas. Really looking forward to maybe seeing some surprises. We still have great midfield battles going on, too, between, you know, the McLarens, the Alpines. Uh, Haas, is full. I'm going to get to Haas a little bit today. Today's going to be a Haas-heavy, not so much a Haas-heavy, I guess, podcast, but a uh, Mick Schumacher-heavy podcast. You know, that might be... Uh, that's our last piece of the puzzle, really, the Haas and Williams ride. So I am going to get into that. I am going to get into that situation there, what's going on with Haas, what's going on with Williams, what I think is going to happen, what might be the best moves. And, you know, that ties into this American Grand Prix. We're talking, you know, both teams, ironically, have such a big American influence now. Um, in case you don't know, obviously Haas is the lone quote-unquote American team, even though most of our uh, factory is in Italy. But, you know, Haas is an American team. It represents the states on the F1 level. So Haas is a true American team. And Williams, uh, Doralton Capital, has significant, you know, investment in Williams. And they have, they're, they're an American owner. So it is kind of interesting seeing that dynamic with these two teams and the fact that both of them don't have or haven't announced, I should say, their driver lineups going into this U.S. Grand Prix, it, it truly is interesting. And I think many of us are also wondering what's going to happen. So that's what I'm really going to get into today. You know, I want to preview the Circuit of the Americas race, but I mean, I don't know. Basically, it's pretty clear that Red Bull and Ferrari, you know, I, the only thing I wonder when the land of Circuit of the Americas is, is there the potential for the Circuit of the Americas? Is there a potential for this U.S. Grand Prix? And I feel like we're saying this weekend and week out, but it does feel like this is a class that should at the very least lend itself more towards Mercedes, more towards, you know, a team like that. Uh, it seems like Mercedes is good in these settings. You know, they were good at the lower, you know, I wouldn't call Circuit of the Americas exactly a high-speed track. I think it's got a lot of turns, a lot of high downforce. And I think that, you know, when you look at Mercedes, how they performed at, like, Hungary or the Netherlands, like, maybe this is a track that lends itself towards being a little more favorable to Mercedes. So we'll see what happens with that. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. But definitely an interesting track, a track to keep an eye on. The other thing, too, so, yeah, getting into the silly season for Formula One, right? So, this has been probably one of the craziest silly seasons, obviously, since Fernando Alonso's announcement that he was going to be heading towards Aston Martin. Um, I guess really set off with, you know, Sebastian Vettel's retirement, too, but we knew that that we knew for a long time it just seemed like you know there was this perfect storm of events that transpired thanks to fernando's transfer out of aston martin and we know now you know fernando goes to aston martin then we have the oscar piastri story with now oscar piastri going to mclaren and daniel ricardo being out of a ride and then we get into you know probably one of the craziest things you know nick devries man <laughs> nick devries this guy 28-year-old, moping around in Formula E, not say, you know, world champion Nick DeVries, by the way, winning a world championship in Formula E with Mercedes, 
a Mercedes guy through and through most of his career, right? Mercedes junior driver um, has this standout performance with Williams and just and well deserved to. Nick DeVries is a talented driver, but it's just crazy because this guy has this standout performance at Williams. And he becomes the hottest ticket in F1, which he damn well should be the hottest ticket in F1. And the way he drove that Williams to a points finish. Sorry, Nick Latifi, but shout out to Nick Latifi for getting points in Singapore. Guy's a goat still. Gonna miss him in Formula One. But Nick DeVries, the way he drove that Williams, subbing for Alexander Albon. Alexander Albon. Alex Albon. You know, just... Proving that he deserves a chance at Formula 1. And of all the teams he goes to, you couldn't make this drama up. I just want to see. I guess it's not really drama, but we live in the Netflix age, you know, where everything's drama. He manages to get a ride with Alpha Tauri. And you got to feel bad for some of those Alpha Tauri juniors, like Liam Lawson, you know, like uh, Yahan Daruvala. Um, Daruvala. You know, these guys have been developing with Red Bull for a while, but just, (laughs) they're not quick enough, you know, Formula 2, I can't say Formula 2 has been one of the most competitive years this year, because it really hasn't, in terms of the quality of competition, I don't think it's been, you know, exactly one of those years where you're watching Formula 2, and you're like, wow, um, there's a lot of good drivers, there, there have been talented seasons, you know, we had seasons with George Russell and Lando Norris and, you know, Alex Albon all competing at the same time, you know, but this year, not exactly the most (laughs) competitive uh, year for Formula 2. I wouldn't say the competition is uh, a quality level, but, you know, Felipe Drugovic also getting a a chance as a reserve driver at Aston Martin, champion. I kind of wish he found a ride, too. He's a he's a talented driver and deserves an opportunity. But, yeah, Nick DeVries getting this opportunity with Alpha Tauri of all things. He's going to – and I know some people are like, well, you know, if you were paying attention, you see that now. Um, it looks like Nick DeVries is going to end up being the leader for Alpha Tauri, which, honestly, yes, Yuki's been there with the team longer, but – and came up through their junior program. But Yuki's young. Nick DeVries is older. I think in the grand scheme of things, Nick DeVries is a more mature, a more, uh, how would you say it? A more developed driver in a sense in that he's been racing a long time in top tiers of competition. Formula E does have a lot of talented drivers, a lot of Formula uh, 1 drivers, ex-Formula 1 drivers. So, you know, Nick DeVries definitely... I think is the right guy to lead Alpha Tauri, the right guy to put in that position of leadership, and I think I think he's going to handle it well. I think he's going to get this year to learn a Formula One car. He's going to get that opportunity, and I think this is going to be the perfect spot for Nick DeVries. And it'll be interesting to see where he takes this, how well he performs. Will he, you know, be able to match the success that Pierre Gasly has? Which, of course, we can't mention. Alpha Tower without mentioning the well-deserved saga. I'm, listen, I am so glad to see Alpine with that all-French lineup of Esteban Ocon and Pierre Gasly. Like, I don't know. There's something cool about it. Pierre, man, hard driver, probably one of the hardest workers in Formula One. You you see him day in and day out trying to get the most 
he's gotten a lot out of that either when it was the Toro Rosso or when it was the Alpha Tauri, that vehicle, obviously getting that surprise shock win, right? But um, at Monza, you know, so he's had great moments. He's scored podiums with that team, both as Toro Rosso and as Alpha Tauri. Like Pierre Gasly, I know Alpha Tauri has not had a great year this year, but he's just so consistent, usually. He's a very consistent driver, very talented driver. Deserves a chance with a team that I think Alpine has prospects, good prospects. I think they have an upward trajectory this year. You know, hasn't been their best year, but I think they do have an upward trajectory. The biggest problem this year with Alpine has been reliability. They've had fast cars. They've had cars that could compete for poles uh, in Australia with Fernando Alonso, for example. They have cars that can compete and are quick. It's just a matter of putting it together and getting that reliability. I feel like they're one of those teams that are plagued with the reliability bug, like more often than not. And maybe it's just my, you know, uh, what do they call that? Confirmation bias. Cause I see them going out. I'm like, yep, there's another Alpine going out of the, uh, going out of the race, retiring due to reliability. But no, in all seriousness, Alpine, I think that is a good fit. I think that's a good direction for the team to go in. And it's going to be interesting. The only thing that, you know, I'm kind of curious. Like, I wonder what Aston Martin has that that made Fernando Alonso go. Like, Fernando Alonso is not going to go to a team that's going to struggle. So, for Fernando Alonso to go to Al, uh, Aston Martin from Alpine kind of makes you wonder... Is there something about Alpine? Oh, wow, I keep saying Alpine. It's one of those days. Is there something that Aston Martin knows or has? I wouldn't say knows. Is there something Aston Martin has and Fernando Alonso knows that that is going to make them a good competitive car next year? Because it's kind of interesting for a driver of Fernando Alonso's caliber. And listen, Fernando has had his struggles in Formula One. You know, he had the Honda McLaren struggle, which, God. I would not want anybody... I imagine he has to go through that again with Aston Martin or something like that again. That would just be an absolute shit type of way for him to go at it again. That would be uh, not ideal for Fernando Alonso at all. But hoping that's the right place for him. Oscar Piastri is kind of interesting. I know Zach Brown has been on uh, Twitter... Not Twitter. I saw on Twitter Zach Brown talking about... Oscar Piastri and not trying to, you know, compare him to Daniel Ricciardo, not trying to uh, put the pressure on Oscar Piastri, not trying to compare him and Daniel Ricciardo. You know, there is a big difference. And I know people are probably crapping on Zach Brown, probably ripping him apart for giving Oscar Piastri a little more, you know, freedom, not freedom, a little more leeway, which I think is acceptable. Listen, you're talking about a guy who hasn't raced in Formula One in about two years. I don't think he's even going to get a test for the rest of the year with this new Formula One car. I think, you know, I with uh, with McLaren, he's not going to at least. Uh, but, you know, I think he deserves... Like any rookie driver, he really needs that first year to get accustomed to Formula One. You got to give him a chance. You know, 
I don't expect him to blow the doors off right away. He's going to be rusty. It's a different animal. He hasn't been in that kind of competition in about two years now, right? So, um, unless my math is wrong, is it a year? Did he only take a year? Maybe it was only a year sabbatical. Wow. I'm so terrible at math right now. Yes, a year sabbatical. But, you know, it's, uh, it's right for them to give him a chance to get accustomed to Formula One and, you know, have his chance to succeed when the time is right. And obviously, you know, you got to give him that year or two because, first of all, McLaren has not been as competitive as we would have thought this year. The car's not been as great. They need to give him a great car. Now, in terms of DeVries, you know, Francis has been saying he's got to compete. He's got to be the guy to get it done. And that goes to Mick Schumacher and Williams. What is going to happen with Williams? And, you know, it's it's very interesting in terms of the whole Haas-Williams-Mick-Schumacher debacle situation saga. Williams needs a driver. Joost Capito is German. Really the two viable options for Williams. And when I'm thinking about this, this, and hopefully, man, hopefully Williams gets this right because their one option is Logan Sargent, which as an American, I I like Logan Sargent. I think he's a great driver. He needs to finish fifth or higher in F2 to get his super license points. If he doesn't, he won't be um, eligible, right? So he needs to get a super license points. Now, the problem is if Logan Sargent does not, and let's say Mick Schumacher manages to go back with Haas, that is going to present a unique problem for Williams as well. Who are they going to sign? They could find themselves in one of these, you know, situations where they're going to be scrambling to find a driver and you know that there are drivers out there obviously it looks like Daniel Ricciardo is going to take a sabbatical for a year I know Will Buxton has been hammering Daniel for that decision I'm not totally against that decision we've seen it we've seen it done before with Alex Albon uh we've seen it with Esteban Ocon the only difference is those are younger drivers so that is something to weigh there Daniel Ricciardo is a lot older is a team willing to go back to a Daniel Ricciardo, you know, after taking the break. But I guess you could argue also we've seen it with Kimi Raikkonen. We've seen it with Fernando Alonso. So, you know, there are maybe Daniel is making the right move. Maybe he knows something we don't. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. And uh, But, yeah, Williams, listen, I, I think I really feel like Mick Schumacher is going to end up going to Williams. And maybe I'm going to be wrong. I just... As much as I like Logan Sargent, I don't think Logan Sargent should go up to Formula One this year. I think I think he needs one more year in F2. One more year in F2, see what he can do, see if he can still compete at that level. Then I think you bring him up. It's I feel like it's a quick jump that Logan Sargent has taken. He's gone from F3 to F2, going to F1. I mean, it would be great. It would be great to have an American, a, a decent American driver too. Logan Sargent, very talented. He's gotten a few wins in Formula 2. 
but I think he needs another year. Just simply like I was saying before, there's that, that, uh, there's no need to rush him. The competition in Formula 2, like I said, is not that great. And I don't think there's a need to rush him yet. I think Mick Schumacher is a more conservative, a more better option for the team if they are trying to, you know, stick around and succeed a little more in the points, you know. But on the other end of that, there is Haas. And Mick Schumacher's options at Haas are still out there. And I don't get what Haas... Listen, I get the beginning of the year. I totally understand Haas's point of view. Mick Schumacher has shown glimpses of speed, especially the beginning of the season. And he has wrecked cars and cost himself points early in the season. You know, we know his race at Saudi Arabia, vicious accident, qualifying, trying to push it on the edge. He was going to get into Q3, right? was looking good and just uh, pushed it too hard when he didn't have to, you know? And caused mega damage for that team. And then, of course, at Monaco, too, which, again, tough conditions. But you can't have that mistake when you're a driver with a one-year contract. It's You can't rip up cars like that. You know, it's one thing to lose a front wing. It's another thing to rip off half a car and cost millions of dollars in damage. There was also Miami where he cost himself the points. Now, in the same respect, recently his form has been great. Or, I wouldn't say great, but it's been better than Kevin Magnuson's. And he's shown glimpses of what he can be. The problem is it might be too little too late for him to save his ride at Haas. I think I think the damage was done early in the season. I don't think it seems what the vibe that you get from reading quotes from Gunther Steiner, the vibe you get from reading quotes from, you know, what's going around insiders. It seems like. There's a disconnect between Mick and Haas. And Mick is obviously also flirting with Williams. I don't know what that brings in. But for Haas, the interesting possibilities there. It's it, it's looking like Haas is going to hire Nico Hulkenberg. And listen, Nico Hulkenberg, talented driver, has shown what he can do last minute, you know, scoring almost scoring a podium with Racing Point that one time, you know, qualifying epically, you know, racing through the field. He, he can show what he can do. He, he scored points, subbing in last minute, fought his way through fields, you know. He had decent runnings with Aston Martin this year. Their car hasn't been that good, but it's just interesting to me that that's what Haas is going to want to go with. And I do get it in some respect because I get they want – Stability. They want leadership. They want an older driver. And Nico Hulkenberg is talented. Kevin Magnussen is talented. I just think that when you look at the team lineups for next year, if if Haas does indeed go with Nico Hulkenberg, and I'm, God forbid, prove me wrong, I hope Haas has been developed in their cars and getting better and will find success next year, but... I just think that if it's the lineup of Nico Hulkenberg and Kevin Magnussen, to me, that's a pretty weak lineup. If not one of the weaker lineups for the 2023 season. I think it's it's a big question mark. You don't know what you're going to get. And I do get from a development side of things, the team wants to succeed and they want to put 
the pieces in the right spots, but I don't know. But for Mick Schumacher, it's crucial that he ends the season on a high note, not just if he wants to resign with Haas, which honestly, I, I don't know. I don't know if I was Mick, if I would want, like, it just feels like it's been such a, as of late, it just, you get that toxic vibe between, I don't know what's going on between the Steiner, the the Gene Haas camps, and, and the Schumacher camps, but it just seems off, just from what you hear. And, you know, obviously Mick is going to want to stay in F1, and if he's going to do that, he needs to put in the performances, and, you know, he had good qualifying in Singapore, he did not have a great race they kind of screwed him on strategy again but i think if he keeps showing those glimpses he he will find himself a ride whether it be with haas whether it be with williams i just i don't know and i i still think that williams should not go with logan's Sargent this year i think it's i don't think it's the right move for the team i think i think mick is of the drivers out there is a better option but It'll be interesting to see where that goes. But, yeah, there's a lot of interesting connections with Mick. There's also been talks like Audi's in the mix for when they get into 2026 and, you know, getting into... Obviously, he wouldn't wait till 2026, but there are talks about, like, getting in with Alfa Romeo and then going from there. And Interesting things going on there. We'll see what happens. I think Mick, again, deserves the opportunity. I think... I think there are lower quality drivers that are still in Formula 1 next year that <laughs> you know are getting an opportunity and mix that but we'll see what happens but yeah I'm, I'm excited for Circuit of the Americas I'm excited to see what that race is going to entail I hope we get some clarity with these team silly seasons I think you know I don't think we're going to hear anything probably till Williams and Haas if it's really depending on mixed performances I don't think we're going to hear anything until, you know, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, Brazil, if we're lucky, most likely not until Abu Dhabi. So it's going to be interesting to see where this goes, but I don't know, this Formula 1 2022 season hasn't been the most exciting, obviously with Max, you know winning it blowing away we were also treated to such a great season in 2021 but my time is almost up and you know what i didn't even realize i didn't even get to the whole red bull cost cap saga which how did i not remember to tell you guys how i should have spent oh my god i i spent literally 26 minutes talking about mick schumacher silly season and all these other driver moves didn't even get into the Red Bull cost cap thing. But, you know what that's called? That's called a tease. What I'm going to do Thursday, going to get back on my groove, going to get back to previewing this race. But Thursday, we are going to talk about Red Bull. We're going to talk about this cost cap. Watch, I guarantee you, before I... No, I, that won't happen, right? The FIA is not going to levy their penalty before the Circuit of America. That'd be crazy. Imagine if that happens. Like, I plan this out, talking Thursday, and then... The FIA gives their uh, penalties. But no, I think Red Bull, oh my God, I have so much to say about that cost cap. Because, going to get on my soapbox here. Formula One, the biggest problem with Formula One over the last, I would say, two years. Has been consistency with discipline. And just 
applying the rules correctly. And it's very frustrating to see, you know, people ripped Michael Massey apart. And you could say what you want about Abu Dhabi. Yes, he was in the wrong. Yes, that race was screwed up. Yes, it influenced the championship. But it's clear that this is a problem that was not just one guy. And for all the changes Formula One and the FIA tried to make this year, not everything has been solved. There is still a lot wrong. And there is still a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of consistency. And we even saw it last week at Singapore. There is consistency that still needs to be addressed. And consistency in the rules. And and that's really what I'm going to lead into with this whole Red Bull thing. And the cost cap going into Thursday. When I talk about this Thursday. Because it is so frustrating to see this going on and i have a lot of thoughts on it and uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see what happens so listen guys get excited formula one's back this week it's a race week it's a raw seek as for ferrari would say it's a raw seek it's a race week we're excited it's a great track who knows maybe now that red bull has locked as of now with max verstappen in the championship the world driver's championship maybe we're gonna see you know some interesting things maybe if red bull takes you know are they gonna continue to dominate are we gonna see maybe like an alpine sneak up maybe mercedes you know who has been like mercedes have been teasing us like all year saying you know we're gonna have this fast car we're gonna we're, this is gonna be the race and then it just doesn't happen so maybe 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 ferrari gets their shit together for one race and wins who knows but hey listen wouldn't it be so cool to get a Sebastian Vettel win before the end of the season. That's all I want to manifest. Just manifest me a Sebastian Vettel win. Like, just make that happen. I don't know how, but make that happen. But anyway, enjoy the race this week. Get ready for the race week. I'll be back on Thursday ranting about the FIA and the Red Bull Cost Cap Saga. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. Feel free to check out our website, f1idiots.com. And of course, listen to this podcast. When I do it, I'll try to do it on every Monday and every Thursday. Thank you guys and enjoy.